And thank you very much for tuning in to part two of my podcast with Aaron Smith. Just a heads up from me that this episode will be running about a minute before I cut the last one off. And that's just to give you guys a quick refresh as to what Aaron was talking about. I also wanted to take this opportunity to talk to some of the new listeners and say that if you do enjoy this episode, I do urge you to go back and look at some of my older content where you'll find similar interviews. But nonetheless, I hope that you guys enjoy this one. And I can't wait for you guys to wrap everything up when I release part three next week. So that was your first real taste of a setback? And how'd you bounce yep. back? Uh, I bounced back okay. I I went to the I went to the 19s trials with a month of training after my rehab of my um, hernia. So I turned up there unfit. I couldn't really play, but it was like my I just had they said have a crack. And they were all they'd had six months together trials and that and they were just another level. I played mm -hmm. all right, but I didn't play like I kind of had at the start of the year. So going into 2008, I was like, I'm going all guns blazing to go to Wales in June with the 20s. So all of sort of November, December, again, I went hard to get my body in a shape. I got up to about 80 kgs. I was running stairs and that in the morning and just really got with the turbos train. I was like, you've got to get me on this 20s team. What is it going to take? And yes, I had Dave Rennie there, but, you know, uh, at Manor 2, who was the 20s coach as well, but when I got to the trial, I was like ready to, you know, make this team. And there were two guys there beat me at NZ schools and NZ 19s that I was like, not this time. And I'm getting in this team and I had a real good trial and I was really grateful for that. And yeah, I didn't have to go home in the um, bus because they used to pick the team, bro. They, they tell you to all meet down at the, the team room, put your bags by the bus and they name the team. And if you don't make the team, you get your bag, get on the bus and leave straight away. So in 20, yeah, 2007, the 19th trip, they read the team out. If your name wasn't called, stand up now, please get on the bus. It was like, so that was like, and then when we got on the bus, I remember looking down and they were all like, all just made the 19 scene, you know, and they were fizzed. And I remember watching them going, I'm not feeling that again. And like, yeah, I remember looking straight at the other halfback. I remember very clearly, I won't say the names, but not next year, you know, and I knew next year was the 20s, the first ever 20s. And yeah, I, I used that as fuel. I remember going on the airport and all the other guys like, ah, who cares? And I cared. And, and, and it really flipped a switch in me because mm. that was the sort of not injury setback, but that was the first sort of proper where, you know, like schools, I didn't feel like I could... I could play NZ schools, you know, people were saying maybe I, I hardly carved up at all with hurricanes. Like we got dominated in that tournament by Northern A and Northern B and Southern. So we only won one game and I knew that that was a sort of writing on the wall. And then, but that 19s and 19s, I knew if I wasn't injured, I would have had a good crack, but missing 19s really propelled what came next. Mm. Now, before we get to that, bro, because that sounds like you just, like you said, you went all guns blazing for it, but you talk about the weight. And so you go to club rugby, you're 70 kegs for your ring and wet. And then when this, within the space of what, a year, 18 months, you put on 10 kegs. And for being a little guy like myself, bro, I've 
not that I've got to where you got to, but I was in a similar boat when I left and had to put on a bit of weight to try and keep up with the with the club boys. But has that been something that's been like a battle most of your career, trying to find that balance between the coaches saying, nah, bro, you need to put on size, you need to put on size, but then not having that take away from, I don't know, having too big a biceps to get the pass through or having too much weight to be nippy on your feet and stuff like that? I think um, early in my career was a big struggle because all the halfbacks at the time were 90, 90 clicks sort of thing, you know, and they liked the way I played, but the physical battle back then was different. Like nines filled in the D-line every a lot, you know, making tackles, turnovers. It really only really, I committed, like I tried to get it, I got up to, I gradually put weight on, but with all the training in that and being young, mm. mate, you had one night on the booze, you'd, I'd lose two kgs. Like it was just, <laughs> it was hard, like, I was a young man. I was just playing rugby and you'd do all that work. And I'd just, I'd lose weight by not, you know, by not being able to train for a day. Like it just couldn't stay on. And then probably if anything, when I got down to the Highlanders, I talked to Jamie Joe about it and I was about 83, 84 kgs. And I said, I can't, when I made the Maldives and that, I was like, they, that's the halfback they wanted a bigger, heavier set. And, you know, that's what the prototypical halfback was. I said to Jamie, I was like, I can if I if I get lighter and faster in that, still make my tackles, I think I can play a different game. And he was all for it, but he was like, you still got to make your tackles in that. And yeah, so I that's when I went like 80 kgs is like my, my nail point. And I'll make sure I am pound for pound strong, fast and fit. And I'll be fit at a, fitter than anyone on the field to play at a level that they can't handle. And that was sort of where I found my sweet spot around 83, 84. I could play for 50 minutes and then I'm like hanging on. Whereas that 80 to 81 kgs, it's like my sweet spot of still still lifting heavy for me, you know, still getting under the heavy bar, still power cleaning, still doing that pound for pound strong. But I didn't want, I didn't want extra baggage for the look. I wanted to be as agile and fit and conditioned as I could and yeah it was it worked well at the time because jimmy cowan was a abrasive halfback so we mm. were good yin and yang so he'd play the game and i'd come on and finish it you know like just speed it up and i was just playing you know and then the odd time where that was 2011 when um the all blacks got two rests during the year so i got to play the rebels and i got to play the crusaders and that was cool like you know we played a crusaders team that had a lot of changes as well but um i got to play with brownie and at 10 so it was like i got a start i played really well got play of the game we won and it was cool and there was like 10 all blacks there and still about 10 in the grandstand but it was like a cool well this this could work like these are all blacks who play test rugby it kind of helped cement because the turbos were saying the same thing well you need to put weight on you can't play might of 10 you'll be making more tackles and that and i was like look it's i'm a halfback i don't get paid to tackle people i'll make mm. my tackle I'll fill the gap. I'm not scared to do it. It's just, that's not my role. You know, my role is to communicate, scan, see space, fill the line when needed. Not scared to do that. Make my set piece tackles. Yes, I may not hit like Jimmy Cowan. Yes, I may not hit like Andy Ellis or Albie Matheson, but I can, I'll make my tackle, you know, and, and that was sort of, that was it. But when I found that sweet spot, and it is quite funny to see now that, you know, the body shape of a halfback has changed drastically. And, you know, I think, the type of rugby a smaller agile fitter guy can play you, you know every most teams have one of those and 
if you've got a like a TJ who's got a massive engine and he's big, it's just it's helpful. But for a, you know, it's, it's it's just funny how that kind of type of halfback was you know after Basher and the likes they disappeared from New Zealand rugby. Marshall mm. came on and changed the game. Like his ability to run, break tackles, hit people, turn it over. Kalaha the same. Then Jimmy Cowan. Like it was like that's a halfback. And then the game, yeah, and I'm, I'm blessed, you know, Steve Hansen chose me because the speed, we could play it, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy and that kind of unlocked that. But making that decision to stop listening to you've got to be 85 kgs or was the best thing. I just said, committed to what I thought was best, which was 80 kgs, strong as I can be, fast, but fit, and be able mm. to play that for a long time. Well, I'll tell you a crack-up story. I was scrolling through Instagram the other day, and do you remember a guy by the name of Max Pearson? Kinda. Who's that? Nah, he's oh, he's just this dude from Wally, bro. He's and he's and he studied up in Palmy, and he told the story. It was around the time that the All Blacks were playing, and he chucked up a video about how he was walking through the gym one day, and he remembers seeing you passing a ball against the wall. You know, you sort of been doing your repetitions. And he said, oh, bro, you know, yeah, bro. And he's like, bro, stop doing that. You know, you need to hit the weights. And you're just like, nah, bro, I'm, I'm just doing this. And it's just, yeah, it's funny how that stuff's come full circle. And again, I only ask because it, that seems to be a bit of a trend now with the game, with the way the game's going and especially with the younger kids and how quickly they're getting thrown in those high performance environments. They have to almost put on that size to survive those early stages. But like you said, like, you know, again, not trying to blow smoke up your ass, but you have sort of revel or taken it back a step or taken it back to the days, like you said, with Graham Bashit, Sig going, um, Dave Loveridge, you know, smaller guys who weren't known for their abrasiveness or their physicality, but just did the core roles of what a halfback, halfback was supposed to do on top of, you know, still having to make your tackles. But, and you mentioned the fact that Jamie Joseph was the one that sort of gave you that little bit of rain after you'd sort of egged him, be like, hey, bro, let me come down a couple of kegs and I promise I can deliver. Like, how, how did that conversation come about? Because I know that you spent a season with the Blues. So like, what went into like maybe not cracking on with the Blues there and then eventually finding yourself down south? Yeah, I think it was just, that was that period. Like, I was a you know good prospect coming up, played, um, played 20s. I was sort of, Grayson Hart was there, but he was the same kind of halfback. He was 90-odd 90, 90 kgs. Big guy, played for Auckland, played for the Blues at like 19. Crazy athlete. But I played more of a finesse game, you know, and that was that kind of 80 kg mark as well. But they were still one or two. And then when I went up to the Blues, yeah, they were the same, like keep pushing weight. But when I was in Auckland, it was kind of like a Albie Matheson played every game. He made the All Blacks a year. Like I was not getting a game. Chris Smiley played probably 80 minutes still up, and I was the third. And LB, he carved up that year. He was outstanding. And like he left the Hurricanes and came up there and was on a mission. Mm. And I sort of, and I actually just rode that for what it was. And it was one of those years I wish I had back and used it for an opportunity. But at the time it was, I was living in Auckland. I'm from Palmy. I trained Monday to Thursday with them. And then I just relaxed after that. And when I went back to Manoa too, that was sort of the start of it with we had a really good year 2010 missed the playoffs for the one or two team but we had a good year and that and then no super contract was coming calling and and jamie joe um rang me and said you know i'm gonna bring you down to the highlanders as my third halfback 
And then I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, what? Do you want to be number three? I was like, nah. And he goes, well, what are you going to do about it? And I go, well, Jimmy Cowan's an All Black. And he goes, so what do you think about that? And I go, he's pretty good. And he goes, do you not think you're good? And I'm like, God, oh, oh, I don't know. I hadn't met yeah. far out. What's this guy's trying to say? Like, he's like, well, if you come down, you sign his contract, don't come down with that attitude, okay? Okay, bye. Boom. Shuts up. <laughs> Sent through this program. I'm like, okay, cool. So I turn up, you know, finish. But after 2011 season, and I, like I said, I got super rugby fit, enjoyed that, but I'd taken that a lot better because I'd had opportunities. I'd play 15 to 20 minutes a game. And, and he just said to me, like, you can't cruise, bro. Like, at the end of that year, he's like, come back next year. Show me you want it, and I'll pick the best halfback for this team. I don't care if he's an all-black, he's played 50 games, or he's played 20 games for the Turbos. If you're the better halfback next year, I'll pick you. And he lied, because I turned up. <laughs> he lied. So I went back, carved up for one or two, pretty good. We made the final of the championship, and we lost. But I went really well, I thought, and got fit as... Was was the you know one of the fittest guys owned preseason carved up in the um preseason game one Jimmy's back from his all black rest oh no we're gonna start Jimmy I was like you, you told me and I was like like oh, I like yeah I remember looking back like you told me and I was fucking better we played preseason the last two games Jimmy played we like split the games you know like all blacks come back they play one or one or two games. Mm-hmm. Started Jimmy in the Chiefs game and I and he brought me on like really early, like 35 minutes to go. Came on, played well, scored a try, and I started the next week. And then I kind of had it from that. But I remember after that game, and he's like, I said to him, I was like, bro, you said, and he goes, I just wanted to see if you see, see if you're <laughs> I was like, you <laughs> he's all he was he was he was really good like that day. He was like, I was just keeping you hungry, bro. Look how good you played. And I was like, okay. He goes, well, you've done nothing yet. We've got the Crusaders next week at home. First game at Forside Bar. And that's when I had the clock debacle where I kick it out twice because the stadium clock was wrong. So, but hey, it was it was primo. But man, it was like, yeah, I was cracking up. You lied. You said if I was better, you'll pick me. And then <laughs> he's like, nah, I couldn't do it, bro. Didn't know if you had it. And I was like, sweet. Why back me now and yeah, 2012 was that year. I made the All Blacks and I played all right. And uh, yeah, like, but it was funny that all those little motivations around those conversations, that was a key moment that, you know, really got me to a different level I hadn't found yet, you know. What was that changing of the guard like? And what was your relationship like when you first went down there with Jimmy Cowan? Was he quite welcoming or was he standoffish because he knew that he had this young fella nipping at his heels? Well, that, like I said, 2011, I wasn't really a threat at all. You know, Jimmy was Jimmy was definitely the best halfback in New Zealand, and and streets ahead. You know, he was great, and um, I just I it was like my apprenticeship, mate. It was great that first year. I just because I like I said around how I approached the Blues, and I had the wrong attitude and just coasted. This time I was in there like, what are you thinking here? What are you thinking on these plays? And I and then one thing I did was. I talked to Jimmy a lot about how he thinks defensively. So that's why I love how he looked at the way defensively 
looking at things and that was something I'd never really put a lot of time into all my stuff around footage and that was around attack where's, where's holes what are their wings doing what are their Lucy's like but you know defensively I Jimmy was around that and how to play games with nines show something do something else bluff them off like he, he gave me the book and then in 2012 when I got the start against Crusaders and that he was great and and I could see deep down it was killing him but he he never he never said anything bad to me and the close I made the in the in May they named like an all blacks training group and I got named in that and he just gave me the handbook around how to be an all black and what was to come and not like I got named yet, but he was telling me these things in meetings, be engaging, have your book open, be ready to go. If you don't know a question, if you don't understand something, ask. And all these things around why I think I was able to play well early in my All Black career was Jimmy had kind of prepped me, not not saying that ain't hard on it, but I had a really mm. clear understanding of what that environment was about before I got there. Who not to talk to, who not to ask, who who is Gilbert Anoka, who is this who to say thank you to, who to make sure you suck up to, who to, just these things you just, you wish you knew, you know, and Jimmy gave me the handbook. So when I went into the All Blacks, I had a clear picture of how it worked, what was different there, and just little things like getting to training early, getting on the bus early, picking up after things, just things that you take probably for granted. And when you're in the All Blacks, everything's done for you. But he was like, these are little things they notice and this and that. And it was kind of like, oh, okay. And that was like, and it was God sent in that sense that I went in there. It still was, still was so scary and out the gate, but he was really good around that. And then obviously with pity as well, like he, they both just handed me the handbook around how to prepare as a nine, getting ready for big games and then just simplifying it to like, you just, in the All Blacks, you just got to do you really well and the others will do them and then that's how that's Highland isn't that you can have a lot of impact and heaps of things all blacks you just got to do you and the rest will do theirs yeah but I remember reading something about uh I think it was Graham Henry when he took over the team like the early 2000s and he talked about changing that whole attitude within the all blacks of it not being about the individual but being about the team and like it's quite cool to hear now that you you talk about how you know, even though, you know, for competitors, you know, because those boys would have been just as competitive as you and wanting to make those teams, but they understood that, you know, you were the informed nine and I guess to help New Zealand rugby as a whole, they gave you, know, like I said, they you, they showed you the pathway of how to make that transition smoother into those, into those high-performance environments. I think too, like, that's why I try to be with other halfbacks too. Like, I'm very open around information, what I'm thinking and what I do because I can sh- I can tell you everything but if you're not willing to do it that's nothing mm. <laughs> I can tell you everything I do and that gets me this but if you're not willing to do it then it is nothing but there's little things that they told me and that around it and I always go out of my way like with Finlay when he came in this time with TJ in the past and like anything I've just you just want to be open and transparent but I'm still going to try and rip your head off if we play each other. Like, it, it doesn't matter. When you cross the line, your mouth guards in, things change. Yeah. I don't care who you are, you know, you're, you're on the other team. But when we're not, when we're teammates and in the All Blacks, it's all about the team. And if he's starting that week, I'm giving you that information about that. But I'm expecting them to push back too. 
you know, we have a lot of little meetings and that. And I always say around, if we're starting in that, I need, I need the pressure because on Saturday it's going to be worse. So however that Thursday training always goes, we always say like, sorry, before the training, I say to, we always say it like, sorry, bro, for what's about to happen today. And we know that's how we know we're halfbacks. We're like, <laughs> I'm coming for your throat and I'll, I'll kiss and make up later. But Thursdays is like game day in all blacks for each other. And then, some of those trainings are harder than games, no doubt. They're not as long, but they are. You're playing the second 15 at All Blacks and they go and do a turnover trial on you. It gut punches you. So, you know, but that's what we always say, you know. And if Pity and Jimmy weren't so transparent, and I think that's what Graham Henry brought in from what I've gathered around good people make good All Blacks. Mm. It's just about being a good bugger. And, and, and you're not like, even with me and Falau with the Highlanders before he got his knee injury, I could see he had massive potential from what he did at Mitre 10 and then coming in. It was like, he was a different for to last year. And I was so gutted for him because this was an outstanding year prospect for him. He'll be back. Mm. He's 21, but he has got, his roof is very high, but that's the thing. I, I'm trying to help him be the best him, you know, and, um, but it motivates me to keep going too, you know? So, that's where you kind of know, like I was saying around, like knowing what you're good at, nailing that. And that's always the key, I think, is take things from others to add to your game. If you, yeah, but you're not them, you know, like I know what my strengths are and I nail those. And if I can take any little things from your game, I'm going to try and add them to mine, but still know what your core role and your core strengths are. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. I'm like in the gym passing all the time. I was like, that's my my thing. I am a halfback. I've passed the ball from a ruck to a person. That's my core role. Like, I got to do it all the time. And like, you know, it's just, yeah, got to know what your strengths are and not try to be anyone else. I used to get stuck between trying to be a running halfback or a kicking halfback. But in different teams, I have different roles. But my core role is to pass the ball. And I always want to be the best at that. Yeah, bro. Iron sharpens iron. And like I said before, keeping the main thing, the main thing. But you talk about the drawing and how competitive, you know, the, the nines you've been around are. Do you do you like that stuff? Do you love like the little like niggle here and there, the little chat here and there? Like, is it something that you go out in the field and you set out to do? Or is it something that you only buy until somebody starts it with you? Oh, they don't really try it with me anymore, the boys. But um, <laughs> yeah, I... I think more well, not, the um, more the even like competitors like, as well, bro. Like the um, any, other teams. Any banter, any banter is great because, like I say, we train all hard to get to the game. That's why I celebrate anything. You could have knocked it on, and I'm into you. Like, uh-huh, <laughs> like you just mucked up. That's costing you this, and we're gonna go score now. Or like just little things you can say. You don't. I don't say it to people. I don't. Uh, if I respect you, I will not come at you. You know, all my boys, boys. But like, if you're a new guy and you're a, someone we've seen that has a, can, if you go missing in a game, like we've got you. There's one guy on the field that's not in role. He's not in task. And I'm, I don't chip anymore or anything. I'm passionate about what my boys do, like clapping and chahooing and that, celebrating tries. But I'm very processed now. I used to get stuck into teething and going back and forth, but I just focus now on, I'm showing you that I'm strong and still and calm and I'm going to do it again and again and again, you know, and when you get emotional about like how you react to me, they're controlling you because of how they react. 
So if I'm like, that was a shit pass, bro, and you're like, yeah, all good. I'll sort the next one, though. You're like, oh, you've given them, you know? Yeah. I'll just be like, cool. They can say shit to me, like, oh, Aaron Smith's off today, or here we go, he's going to have a shocker day. And it's like, okay, keep watching what's next, you know? And yeah, you just, and then you know when you shake your hand after the game, you're like, who won that? (laughs) So I enjoy, I tell a lot of our guys to shut up and okay leave it and you let them be them to a point if i feel like they cross the mm. line i will probably stop it and go okay that's enough all good but um it's good to play like the coleses and uh, the white locks and that and we give each other stick about you know like sam white locks the um the baker because he stirs the pot so much like he's a shocker and everyone thinks he's so clean but he is dirty he grabs you yanks you he's a little in the rucks and he always grabs my top for a ruck and like pulls me down and and then colsey's well colsey he's he's uh he's running around like a um, cat on fire but he's um he's lovely and like you can see when you we just love playing each other and when you play with people when you play Bodie or you play your mates and you like richie i'm always looking at him like go that way don't come near me just leave me alone like get out of here that's cool and like Sam Kane and like all my good friends I've played a lot of rugby with you can tell when you you see them look at you and they hear me going on and you get the odd when I like celebrate like a little penalty or something I'm like woo and they're like oh just F up no would you I'm like oh sorry so you know you can get yeah yeah I think it's one of those like love playing with you probably hate hearing me scream and yahoo when it's against you Andrew bro that was one of the things I put down like you're always the first guy to like come up behind one of your boys once they've scored a try and like you're almost like more excited than they are half the time bro but i feel like that stuff's really infectious and although i want to carry into the all black stuff before we get to that your time with the highlanders uh you've been through like the highest of highs when you to my despair you won the 2015 championship against my hurricanes away from home but then you've also before that bro there were some pretty dark patches where you guys put up like a double digit losing streak so can you I don't know, you can take as long as you want with this, but like, what's that What's that wave been like? You know, because you've come full circle with it. Like I said, you've been at the lowest of the low, you've risen to the mountain, and now, you know, like I mentioned before, like you're the most capped Highlander ever, and like that's that means a lot to you, bro, like given all the videos I've watched about it. So what, what like even just reflecting on that now, bro, like the that whole journey. I think with that too, it was a journey for the coaching crew as well. Like um, Jamie Joe, 2013, tried to buy a title. We bought like eight or nine all blacks in and we lost 10 out of 13 games you know we had a shocker we were called oh and eight we called it in the environment owen owen's here we oh and eight and it just didn't work so when we got rid of all those boys and cleared the decks and started again we kind of came up with some core values around like a, what we call a highlander man and grew a game that suited us on the stadium with the talent we had and we built a culture off the field and we had a real good culture around being good bastards and being good guys and working hard, but we didn't create any belief that we could win anything. You know, we tried to buy a title that didn't work. So let's try and earn one or let's just try and win some respect, which was the main thing. And over the next few years, we created what we were like the next year, we with a rebooted team to all blacks we made the playoffs, which was the first time Highlanders had since 2000 or something, you know, like it was ages. Mm. We made the quarterfinals. We just lost to the Sharks, but we made the quarterfinals, mate. We had 10 wins that year. 
we we got our fans back in love with us. We played an exciting brand of rugby. But Brownie and Jamie also morphed into, you know, what I see now as really good coaches. But they had to go through that learning period of we're not we're not going to be able to attract all these All Blacks don't add to our environment. We need to create All Blacks within. We need to attract talent to come and play here. And 2015 was kind of the perfect mold of all of that, of what we'd learned about people that came down that didn't care about the team, were just here to count checks or actually wanted to add to an environment, build a culture and just have fun doing it. And, you know, we, Joe Wheeler, Ash Dixon, Nasi Manu, Elliot Dixon, John Hardy, all these guys that came down and then you had a crop that were here with like me, Lima, Ben Smith. Then we added Waisaki and Muller and then Richard Buckman. If you look at that photo now and you go, look at that team, that starting lineup we put out. Yes, they're not all All Blacks, but some of them are outstanding players. Like Richard Buckman is like one of the most, what I think is like an All Black that didn't get a chance. You know, he just played behind in an era where there were two greats second mm. and center like Richard Buckman's one of the best players I've ever played with out the gate smart strong hard dependable and he was a glue to our back line and then you had Muller who can tackle and run like a madman and his engine's massive and then what we saw in 2015 was the Waisaki Naholo show and then Bender's been Bender and Lima had a year of years and best player in the comp and super and so happy for him and so that's what we built was that and even over the course of the next two to three years, we were semis, quarters, semis. Like we've made the playoffs every year since. And that's what I'm more proud of is we created a winning environment with probably not the best talent, but we're starting to attract talent here that creates all blacks. And that's always the goal for me is whenever I see a new guy get pulled in, even Gruder this year, like I got, I was captain that day, but to cap him, a guy who played Gore first Athene, played for the Stags, came to our Highlanders, and now is an All Black. That's mm. the dream. Come play for the Highlanders under the roof. You can make the All Blacks. And that's sort of the dream I try to sell is that. And yeah, that's that's what I love about the Highlanders. And we, people, I know they may not say it, but they, they are generally scared. You come, you play the Highlanders team, we always come with a plan. We're always going to be ready and up for it. And if, you, if you're not on your dong that day, we'll beat you. And I think teams generally respect us for that. We're always going to be in the game. And that's what I love about it is our football creates excitement and scares people if they're trying to stop it. So outside of that 2015 final, I'm interested to know if there are any other games that stand out for you, like just springing off top of mind was this year's game against the Crusaders. You know, like you had the week of hell in the media with a couple of the boys. Don't need to talk about that, but no, bro, no one gave you a chance going into that Friday. And for me, that just epitomized Highlander rugby. And I can see how much it meant to all you boys at the end. Yeah. And, you know, you had like guys like Connor Garden Bashable, it was almost like his coming out party. And, you know, your Fords really stuck it to what's an all black four pack in the Crusaders. So, although, you know, like the 2015 championship, you know, that's a chip. But yeah. do, do those, like, where do those sorts of games rank for you, like, you know, over the course of your career? Yeah, I think games like, Things stand out like things that people don't get. Like we beat the Bulls twice in Pretoria. Like it's so hard to win there. Um, I've beaten them twice, like 19, 18, 16, 15. Like Pretoria, it's like playing, breathing through a straw, just traveling around the world. Like winning in places like that. Um, three o'clock rugby, they all hate you. You know, it's cool. Um, 
Crusaders every time, you know, I've been the Crusaders at home a couple of times, but beating them up there, that was the, I'd beaten them there 2015 and I hadn't beaten them there since I'd lost two quarterfinals there. Great teams and always hard to play them there. But the way we did it this year too was, just, you know, to be able to dismantle them like that and to make them look average, that was pretty special. But they bounce back, mate. So I'm, I don't get stuck in that. You just wish they were in the games that you really need to win, eh? like a final. Because mm. they're going to show up for those ones, and um, you know, every we we had a we had a day. Um, I reckon games people don't think of too is like when we beat the Cheetahs one time. Like we we won on the Hooter, we scored like twenty four points in four minutes or something. <laughs> like that's character to me. That's culture. Like wanting to just never give up. Like Africa's hard. The touches in that are all South African. They're not trying to help you at all. I remember that. Like that builds little bit of like what ifs but beating the chiefs at home 20 2015 um they were two-time champs well two-time champs the year before the waratahs won the year before that and my first playoff game at home pack stadium probably one of the best games i've ever played personally and i'll never forget that the final can't go past that and then yeah probably more moments i'm proud of is when I remember 2016, I had a photo and uh, we had a photo in um, the French series and we had 10 All Blacks in the environment from the Highlanders. And that was like my most proud moment was we had, you know, 10 All Blacks from the Highlanders in there, massive representation. And that was awesome. Like, you know, like in my time in the Highlanders, it already been like me, Mala, Bender, or me, Lima, Bender, Mala, like four backs, but no forwards, you know. But that year we had multiple guys, loose forwards, Squire, Elliot Dixon, Tom Franklin was called in, Luke Whitelock, um, myself, Lima, Bender, Muller, Weiss. Like, it was cool. Like, they were, we had generally, like, six or seven starting All Blacks, and that's what makes me more proud. And, yeah, that was sort of the highlights of that. But, like I say, for, for what we are, you know, making the playoffs every year since 2014 is something I'm really proud of. Hundred, and you mentioned like South Africa and how hard it is to win over there, and you've mentioned before in the past how it's a bit of a shame how players coming through now aren't going to be able to experience touring South Africa. Could you talk us through like what that's like as a player and like what that does for a team? You know, being on the road so far away from home. Well, I think people don't get like touring and that. Like we all, they all think it's like Disneyland and stuff like that, but it's it's hard. You like fly over. Monday to about Wednesday, you can't sleep, bro. Like, you're, it's fully opposite. So, like, you wake up at, like, 3 a.m. and you're, like, that's New Zealand time. Like, you're awake. So, you got to try and, like, fight sleep-deprived. Yeah, it's hot as, too. So, you come over, it's really hot. The food's a bit different. But the things that it builds, like, you can't really train. So, you're just hanging out together. The touring part around seeing lions, seeing sharks, seeing all these wildlife things, seeing all these crazy things. But I think one thing people don't know is about touring South Africa is the gratitude you get for home. Okay. I mean, like you've got people serving you. You've got slums on the side of the motorway, like big, I'm not talking about like a little block, like a full town, like shanty towns. And mm. you see homeless people, you see people like on the brink of pretty, pretty bad places. And you sort of sit there going, I've traveled 3,000 miles to come over here to play a game and these people are, you know, asking for money and you can see it on the side of the road. Like, it's it's as raw as it gets and 
I always notice when I land home from South Africa, I'm grateful for what I have and how safe we are here. And I mean that in a bad way, but you always remember here them after your first tour and that you go, holy heck, we are lucky in New Zealand and by Jesus we are. And um, that's something people probably don't think that we get when we tour, but as well as the camaraderie playing in these big stadiums and that, the gratitude you get for New Zealand, being able to leave your hotel, being able to just go down to the dairy, being able to feel safe walking around is something you kind of go, holy heck, you know, it's, um, it's different over there. It's real. It's real world over there and um, lovely place, but it's a little scary too, you know, but that's sort of what I mean around. I'm gutted for the boys that won't get to experience that, you know, and um, yeah, it always makes me sad and happy to go there you know it's a, it's a, it's a, it's hard to see the poverty it's hard to see people living under bad conditions working as hard as they can for for nothing and then you're sitting there rolling in a bus with air conditioning and waters and food and that whenever you want and poolside hotel with a pool and food everywhere it's just it's it's, it's so drastically different over there yeah bro like i said bro gratitude's the attitude but then you know Getting back to the All Blacks as well, I've heard that when you boys go over there, you actually get quite a positive response, weirdly enough, by, like, I think it's like a certain demographic. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, bro, what's, yeah, what's that like? Yeah, they're passionate, mate. Holy, holy heck. If we had a whole country of uh, that much passion, it'd be interesting. And <laughs> that game in Cape Town was crazy because that's where they, that fan base is. They're like All Black fans, man. Like they, We're at the airport and there's like 3,000 people saying hello as we land like they are real like diehard hooligan fans you know and that's cool but yeah um at the games it's quite like that eh? so i think their you know their culture over there and that like the um africans really love the Springboks, and then the coloreds and the um and the africans love us you know so they just you can tell the, the crowd's a bit split but um, in Ellis Park and that they they're definitely South Africa uh, Springboks. But that one game we played in Cape Town, 2017 was it was war in the stands even like real like they are passionate man. So it was quite hard to see people fighting and and going mm. at each other over a game. But that sport um, sport brings out interesting things. But yeah, you they are passionate people over there, and you got to be ready for that. It's something yeah. Yeah, they love it and they love that we do so well and you know it's just, it's quite funny, but they they definitely we get a lot of support everywhere, to be honest. Like I've been clapped off in multiple games in the UK when we've beaten their team. They just like appreciate good rugby. Being in that environment and seeing what how it can cultivate people and you know the the peaks that it can take people to and the lows, you know, just from a fan's perspective. When did that like become like a realization for you like just how powerful the all blacks are and how much it means to not only people in new zealand but people abroad i think for the all blacks one was uh 2012 we lost to england in twickenham last game of the year and we got absolutely torn apart and it was yeah it was bad and going to that change room i'd never felt anything like it before you know like i was like last game of the year we've won you know 12 out of 14 tests we drew one pretty good year and they were some of the boys in there were sitting there like you know all blacks don't lose you know we don't lose games and uh i knew then like holy shit i better recheck myself here and like i just rocked in um you know when you kind of get beat you're just like yeah bugger you know mm. they're better today 
you, you, I can handle that. If you lose because the team's just better and they had a better plan, yeah. But at that time, I hadn't felt a loss in the All Black jersey. You know, like I said, I had a pretty good year, 212. The team did too. And yeah, like it was crazy. And yeah, when you lose for the All Blacks, it's different. Mate. Like the pressure of it, the scrutiny you know is coming. And you remember what you thought when the All Blacks lost when you were younger. So that pressure of that's quite interesting. But I've had a couple of big bad losses in my time that you just know, like everyone was like, when we lost to Ireland and USA, um, when we lost to, I've lost to the, when we lost in Perth to the Wallabies, we got a good, we got a little hiding. And then obviously England at the World Cup, you know, you just, man, they sit right there and they don't leave you. That feeling, um, that England game will, won't ever leave me. Oh, you just, you just wish you could do it all again, but you can't. And you just, you, you've got to get over them. And similar to the Lions draw, still feel like we could have won the second game in Wellington if we'd done a few things a bit better. Like that's a stain and that sucks because, you know, to draw the Lions, you'd rather have lost all one, you know, like mm. draw weird like we did all that effort and all that build up for what a hand on the cup each but yeah just that sport a eh? like I, i'm not a good loser in that sense like i said i can handle a loss if you get beat properly i can easily look you in the hand congrats today but if you're like a if you didn't play your best game or best hand or you just didn't play very well um like england then you kind of just sits with you anytime i see an english jersey i just get boom instant headbutt like god and you just know we didn't put out our best that day, and you, that sport, you got a. They had a day when we didn't. And I know that there's like a big talk about like the red and the blue, you know. So like flushing all the stuff like when you're in the red, and you know getting yourself into the blue. So of course all that stuff's on the field, and you've been through that and whatever games you've played in. But seeing that you feel those losses so deeply, like how does that then drive you to not hold you back, but instead? use it in the right way and not dwell on it? Well, it's just, you, you, you can't change the past. So you got to let, you can't let the past define you, but what's the mission in front of me now? Like right now, I'm present here with you. Like, what is the goal? What is that? It's to be always present. Um, and that's like the same. You kick a box kick out on the foot. Cool. That's happened. Why did it happen? My foot was here. I pulled it a bit. The blockers didn't get it. Cool. That's the solution. What's next? And that's how you just got to treat it. Red the blue. That is the ultimate thing. Identifying what it is and then fixing it. And then going into the next situation open. It's not saying you haven't forgotten it and you just flush it. That doesn't work. Oh, no, all good. I'll fix it next time. I'm one of those. What happened? Why did it happen? And then I move on. Like I'm very critical of myself, but I don't let that that criticism or mistake own me for the next moment. If anything, I double down to make sure the next moment's better. Even if it's just a simple pass, boom, cool, we're back on track now. Stack a moment, stack a moment. All oh, that wasn't very good, stack a moment. Like that's how I see it with the red to blue. Is it something that you've worked on? Because I know that for you know a lot of young guys that you see coming through when the moment's maybe a little bit too big for them and they fall and... I mean, you see it across all sports, right? Guys who have to live with um, some really ugly moments and some don't 
get to bounce back from that because they're not as mentally tough as others. So have you always been that way or is it again, like something that's come with experience? I think uh, something I do, I sort of create situations in my own head around training. So um, like create situations where, yeah, just little things like, you know, you see Michael Jordan talk about it, like create those niches and find those knots and that. But I reckon you just create situations that training, like I've got to score two times today, or I've got to nail this kick today, or I've got to nail this. And you've got to go hunt them out and creating situations through your own thing in the gym. Like I put a, you just like, when I go down to my shed and do workouts, like I'm like, you're doing this today and you've got to get it. Like creating numbers that aren't quite feasible it's just like that and the more situations you can put yourself into becoming uncomfortable like I try to do something uncomfortable once every day can be little or big I'm going to try and hit this weight or I'm going to try and run this time or like you've got to tap that once a day I reckon once a day you've got to feel uncomfortable you've got to go you've got to get that feeling of oh you've got to create that it could be you know the yeah I call it that sort of for me when I know in my hands that this means something like love that you know when you're lifting weights or something by yourself like i'm going to put this up if i don't it's going to choke me or something <laughs> so but you 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 create that all the time so i think that's like i said about pressure earlier is fall in love with the moment but not letting the moment own you and that's where i mm. think i like doesn't i don't care about the score in that too much some games i play i don't even check the score and i'm just playing i'm doing what's next where to scrum okay what's the play what are their trends they like to go here here just thinking in the moment or what did i remember that they do their wingers drop there so it probably means they're going to go out the back and go to the width or they're flat so they're probably coming like just playing the game in that moment and you'd be surprised the clock runs out and you're gutted because the game's over and that's when you're in flow in some games and that but you're like and you love to when it's hard you get injured or you get a head knock or you are up 20 nil. Now we're going to go really, you've got to really dial in, but you've got to play with no fear too. And that's the ones, you know, I love those challenges. Like, okay, there's three minutes left in the half and they're up by 20. Let's try and score a try. Let's get one back. And that might feel like the World Cup, but you got that, like, that feeling. Cool. We've changed the tide. We've taken the momentum. Like, that's how you got to see it in probably very hard to train but training to stay present doing what you can in that moment and still being open that's when i know i'm in the readers when i feel like i can't see anything and i'm only like my i'm just like here if i'm mm. seeing hearing looking scanning i know i'm open and in flow and when i'm not i'm tight tense my hands are like tensed and i can't see anything i'm like yeah tunnel vision so that's when i know i need to reset and i use breathing techniques to do that yeah bro yeah i was just about to ask about breathing bro like and that seems to be like the almost the in fashion thing i've heard the likes of like kaylin ponger and connor watson talk about like their breathing and stuff like that so is it something that you actually like do in game like if there's a stoppage like you'll do like a quick i don't know box breath or what so i do like um feel my boots and my toes I grab grass, feel, and then a big breath, and then what next? That's it, really. But you just got to own that. Like, you got to know when you're pissed. And I, like, my hands are my trigger for everything. So, like, if I know I'm like that, I'm like, okay, 
and and in a game you have like a blue buddy too like i got a blue buddy in the, in the all blacks and the highlanders like they give me the look like bro you need to chill out and i'm like okay reset all good it's a you're allowed to go in the red it's just how quick you get back into the blue mm. you know so bender was always my blue buddy if i was getting too into it or saying and then like sam kane and the all blacks as well as like nuggy bro grab some dirt and i'm like oh okay <laughs> sweet let's go well, I was going to say that, bro. Did Bender ever go into the red? That guy was like the most non-phased person. Only so nonchalant, bro. Put him in the red is Andy Ellis. Something about him and Andy had a couple of dust-ups, like good little... I remember where there was a... Paddy Tuopoloti, uh, Paddy Osborne scored a try on the Hooter and they said it was out and it would have won the game. And it was one of those like against the corner flag and the try line one. Mm-hmm. And they, they had a replay in the stadium, Andy Ellis like standing there like, woo! And it like gritted Bender. And the next time we played them, like Andy Ellis like whacked the ball out of Bender's hand. And Bender, I'd like never seen him get in the red. And he's like, come here. <laughs> and then it happened again another game. Like, yeah, must just that Bender, he won't forget a thing either. So he get that that's probably the only time, you know, he got off task, but it didn't affect his game. It probably helped it. <laughs> oh, legend, bro, legend. And so you, you talk about that flow state and being in those spaces where it's like you said, you lose track of time in the games and it's like, oh, bang, the game's over and the All Blacks have won by however many points. So that's obviously led to some really great moments in the black jersey. Again, the pinnacle being 2015, what a massive year that was to for the All Blacks to secure their second successive World Cup. But again, you know, with, I know that's probably going to be like the big one, but can you take us through some other occasions that maybe a lot of people wouldn't even jump to, you know, from your career where you're like, yeah, I remember this moment and I loved it. It might have been a loss. It might have been a win. It might have just been like a absurd pass. Like I remember you talked about the pass that you threw to Bender in the third and fourth place playoff at last World Cup. Instead of being your, like your best pass ever. Like, yeah. Can you take us through some of those moments? Because I feel like that's the, the stuff that people want to hear about. Um, I, I remember like one game stands out. We beat France in Christchurch 30-0. Like no points. It was like just a real gritty test match. And just like seeing a donut no no tries was great the tries we got um probably like france 2015 world cup like quarterfinal like i wasn't a part of the world cup that had lost but i was a part of the pain uh i remember being really upset about it and seeing the boys that had played in that game how they were that week like there was no way we were losing that one and we hadn't played well at that World Cup and that kind of bottleneck for France, poor buggers, and we gave them everything and um, probably blew a little bit on them and didn't give the South Africans much either. But um, I don't know, Albany, South Africa, like mm. that was a perfect night, like just one of those nights where it just clicked. Um, but yeah, I don't know. For me, something i never forget is you know how I played against um, Ireland at the World Cup. I've kind of got a couple of tries and and, and even the, um, not the England game, didn't play well, but that third and fourth game was able to play at a high level. And that's sort of like the biggest stage you can play at is the World Cup. And that was something I remember is that game. And But yeah, it's just, yeah, the longer you go along, some of the bled wins we've had, like some of the games at Eden Park for the Bledisloe and some like Bodie Barris performance in 2016, like it was out, out the gate. Um, you know, 2017 in Sydney, where we just had like the first half of Doom, like just 
you know, 38 nil or whatever it was. Like, you just, some of the times when that team gets rolling, it's bloody scary and, and awesome to be a part of. And to see everyone just run back, like, what's next? Like, it's scary and it's awesome to be a part of. And we got like that a bit in the weekend where, you know, we just score a try, come back, what's next? Now the kickoff, let's go. Like, that's the cool part of rugby to be a part of, as well as the tough ones. Wasn't I think as well, one of the moments that springs to me off the top of mind was the come from behind win at Forsyth. Now, you weren't on the field when the boys scored that last minute try for Bodie, but like, what are those moments like? And like, when you're in the pressure cooker of the All Blacks, you know, you're down by a try, you know, take it back to Ireland when um, Colsey throws the offload to Ryan Crotty in the corner. Like, what are those pressure cooker moments like? Because you say that you embrace it, but what are you boys saying to each other to just stay present and not? you know get too over worried about what's happening in the crowd what the scoreboard's doing and you know coming out on top in those big moments because New Zealand up until probably the early 2000s or after the 07 World Cup bro, like after all that heartbreak we didn't do very well in those moments mm. but it seems to have been something that's really um, emphasized uh, in in the environment at the moment with uh, you know the likes of Fozzie and before him Steve Hansen and Graham Henry so yeah, can you take us into what the team talk is like in those moments? It probably it sounds pretty simple, but it's probably, it really just becomes down to that, as I've talked about, like the process of the moment. And there's probably less said. We all know what the stakes are right now. And this is really critical. And it might be just whatever is the critical thing in that. I'm going to this line out. We're doing this play. Okay, now you're roll. And it can be as simple as that. You all know. Yeah, three minutes to go, we're down by five, okay? We need a try. So uh, Rito, and especially in those senses, you know what he's going to say. He just gives you the confidence that we're doing this, do your role, and, and that's what you train for. And, and like I said about those Thursday trainings, we practice those scenarios all the time. Fozzie always sends guys off. He'll send Sam Wallach off because he calls a line-out. Who's going to call a line-out we need to win now? Or he'll send a 10 off. So who's going to run the game? Or he'll send in a hooker. So who's going to throw it in? We have those scenarios playing out all the time. So when you get one chucked at you for real, okay, we've got a red card. What do we do? We It's not the first time we've thought about it. As a spine group, the two, the eight, the lock, the line-out caller, and the nine, 10, and 15, we all have meetings and chats around, if this guy gets sent off, how does our game change? It was like when Artie got sent off in the weekend. We knew what how our game changed, but it doesn't just shut our game down because we're down a guy. No, it just means we can't do certain plays because Artie mm. carries, right? Artie's a very good carrier. <laughs> so we can't do that move. But that's it sounds like people are like, oh, we're just winging that. And we there's no winging to anything. There's always a plan that's been talked about before the game. And then you've got experiences of guys that have, played plenty of games that know what to do we just got to get the message so we do the old fake hooker go down so we can have a chat yeah like the old yeah yeah go down yeah, front row yeah and then you just get the message so but we have those chats the spine group the captain the line out caller the nines tens and and that and you just talk about scenarios and then, you know, the way certain teams like to do it. So now in the um, All Blacks, we've got a great maul or set piece. So we're going to use that. Let's use it. If we can waste time here, where do we want to? But when we get the ball, we can't just shut up shop, not use the ball. Um, and, yeah, like you always notice, like, the good teams 
when 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 you lose someone in that, now what are you going to do? And and you know, um, it's it's about you know embracing those situations, as I say. But yeah, like the Ireland Ireland game 2013, like out of the gate, unbeaten year, and then you know, tapping the ball with three minutes to go, I was like, holy shit, we 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 make a mistake here, we lose. But I wasn't thinking about making a mistake. We were thinking about how do we get a try when we haven't been able to score one since the tenth minute. <laughs> oh yeah, so those in those pressure moments, like um, who's the coolest customer you've played with? 